Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Cavalry Audio. I come to you with hat in hand. I beg you, our loyal and beloved listeners, to indulge us one week where Oliver has found employment and is shooting a show on Fox the likes of which none of us will ever see. And if we do, the likes of which none of us will ever enjoy. All of a sudden, Oliver has a job and now he can't join us for the podcast. So from me, Joe Buck, headed to Canton, Ohio, doing the Hall of Fame game tonight. Um, going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame on Saturday, I have the ability to do the podcast, but Oliver, shooting his show and doing table reads, can't do it. So I and we, because I speak for him in this case, uh, in beg for your forgiveness and ask you to listen to kind of a best of. Now, typically, if I see a best of, I'm just going to gloss right past it and forget it. But if you're new to the podcast, maybe you will learn things that have happened on this podcast in the past that you might have enjoyed, and you might go back and listen to past episodes. Maybe if you've listened to every episode, well... You'll just relive those moments and smile, thinking of a time when we were all younger, all way more innocent, and think about what those interactions meant to you then and then compare them to how they make you feel now in 2021. Uh, So Margot Carmichael and Josh Windish, our uh, crack team, uh, will entertain you with highlights and the best of over the next little chunk of time. And we look ahead to next week when Oliver will tell us about what it's like month nine of coming off Lexapro, or uh, I'll tell you about what it was like going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, or... I'll get you ready for the Field of Dreams game, which is coming up in Iowa in a cornfield. I'll tell you about my phone conversation today with Kevin Costner. Yes, I spoke to Kevin Costner today for a half hour about what it's going to be like when we're all there in Iowa for the Field of Dreams game when the Yankees play the White Sox in uh, Dyersville, Dyersburg. I can do that joke uh, because I'm from St. Louis. I'm from the Midwest, so it works. Uh, That's next week. But 
In the meantime, here you go. Sorry for my bad Kennedy, comma, Winston Churchill, comma, this guy's on his last breath impersonation of nothing at the beginning. And I hope that you stay with this podcast. Because if you do, well, <laughs> I do. Enjoy. Oh, hey, uh, sorry, one more thing before you enjoy the quote-unquote best of. Uh, I host Jeopardy coming up on August 9th. That's Monday. So Monday through Friday, I'm going to need everyone that's listening to this and at least seven of everyone that's listening to this, all their friends, all seven, to tune into Jeopardy. Because it's all about ratings, it's all about competition, it's all about answering questions in the form of a question, it's all about watching me host Jeopardy, starting Monday. Don't forget, set your DVRs, and please watch. Okay? Huh? Can we make that pact, you and me? Doing a little Bateman here. You and me, bud, huh? You and me, bud, huh? Come on. You and me. We can do this. Come on now. Okay, Monday, please. Jeopardy, wherever you may be. Tune in. DVR it. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Lift your windows and shout it everywhere that can be heard. Okay. Thank you. Now, enjoy. Best of. Yeah, mm. no, that's not a, that. Yeah, that's not annoying mm. at all. It's like Nom. I'm doing a podcast with the Cookie Monster. <laughs> oh, cookie, cookie eggs. I like eggs. Eggs mm. are good. Oh, and there he is, right on cue. I'm chewing, Adam. I'm chewing. <laughs> I'm eating an egg sandwich, dude. You came on at the wrong time. Oliver, can I ask? Uh, it looks like Joe is in like a super nice office with trophies and yeah. stuff behind him and pictures of yeah. his family. And yeah. you yeah, are, yeah, yeah. that that's just like you're surrounded by, okay. uh, is that trash yeah. or what is it? Yeah, it's trash. That's my egg sandwich. <laughs> a banana. Advil, Advil. Advil. banana. Yeah. And then I got, it's just a piece of shit right now. That's tight. And then that's I have cool. my shoes. You see all my, I, I have oh, okay. a weird shoe f- situation. Well, we see what's you know. important to you. That's nice. And a yellow yeah, tail. Not the it's, family. Uh, <laughs> dude, God. you don't understand. Adam, You look, I have three kids. My house is a complete disaster and has been for about 12 years. It's just well, a kid's frat home. There's constant shit everywhere. You clean it up, and within five minutes, it, things just appear. I can't get it right, man. Well, I, I uh, moved into a house with my now fiance, and she has done all the decorating in my home. So, so uh, as you could tell, um, that means there's absolutely nothing on any of the walls, and uh, none of the things that I think are important in my life are uh, worthy of my <laughs> office. So, <laughs> when did you get engaged? I got engaged uh, October of 2019. Mm, so, so, next uh, thing you know, there's a pandemic. Sweet, sweet pandemic love. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we thought about ending it, but then we're like, well, we'll never find anyone else. So let's <laughs> let's stick it out for uh, 25 years, 30 years. Yeah, well, I uh, I got engaged. Um, I was what, 29 years old. 
I was extremely fearful of it, right? Because mm-hmm. I came from a family where my dad, you know, the div- bad divorce, Kurt came into my life, was my stepfather, and that's what I saw. That's what worked, you know? Mm-hmm. So I always had this notion of, uh, I'm not going to get married. I'm just going to be in love. Or were you my- like, should I just bang one out real quick, quick mm-hmm. marriage, and then the second one will be great? The se- the right. second partnership, yeah, right, exactly. I didn't. I it, well, I didn't want. I don't want to follow in those footsteps because it was not pretty for a lot of people. But sure. I, 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 my mom is the one who basically said, you know, do you love her? You know, get engaged. It's just a token. Okay, you're giving her a ring, but it's a symbol, it's saying you want to be with her for the rest of your life. You don't have to get married right away. And that's exactly what we did. I, 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 we, I proposed, and I'm like, we don't have to get married right away. So two and a half years we were engaged, and it was oh, nice. That's great. It was nice because yeah. we didn't. Be, there was no pressure. We're gonna be two years in, and I think, uh, I think that's the right time for us because uh, you know we were able to wrap our heads around how much bullshit you have to do for a wedding. So mm-hmm. that that's basically. <laughs> I think if if we were in a year, if like we got engaged and then we got married within a year, we would get married in like an alleyway. But now we're going to do it somewhere nice with flowers and stuff. So it took us two years to get there. Who's the, I assume, and maybe I shouldn't, uh, it's sexist probably, but is is she hoping for the big to-do, the big wedding? No, she actually, it's kind of... it's sort of the opposite of what you would think. She like wanted a really small, intimate, and I'm like five thousand people, a marching <laughs> band. Uh, <laughs> I don't get enough attention in my in my work life. I also need it at home. Um, so no, I it, yeah, she wanted it much smaller, and I was like, well, we gotta do something. And then the so we sort of compromised with the pandemic, and it's gonna be. Much smaller than I originally wanted, but we're still going to do it at the end of this year. And hopefully some of the restrictions and some of the uh, protocols are are more chillaxed. What I'm least looking forward to is being vulnerable. A word I can't say. You guys just outed me. Vulnerable. (laughs) uh, (laughs) In front of all my friends and family. Because, you know, I'm used to doing comedy and I'm used to talking in front of people. But then being so open and honest with my feelings... Uh, is is going to be weird. I hope people are going to expect a joke in there. People are going to expect, sure. and your mind, your mind, the entire time is going to be thinking of spots where you could digress well, and throw some line in. I, without a doubt, won't be able to help myself. Uh, but part of me wants to be so real and so honest that it makes my dad and my uncles uncomfortable because they're kind of, they have the same sort of emotional response as me <laughs> <laughs> that they're, they, they just start booing me. They're like, boo, yeah, <laughs> boo, oh, back to the funny shit. I, uh, I respect a journal on, uh, because one, I don't ever, even though I definitely have time because I watched, uh, all of Peaky Blinders twice during the pandemic oh, so to uh, to journal, but uh, it's still t- I'm always like I don't have time for that. And then anything that I've ever, even when I remotely try to journal back in the day, I look back at those and and it's cool to just sort of like jump back into where your headspace was, you know, years ago. What, why, well, what, have you ever thought about journaling about Peaky Blinders? <laughs> that's a great idea. And that's why you're the boss, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Damn it, he did it run. again. Yeah. I, uh-huh. the, prob- the problem is I've gone back and read journals, and it's the same shit from 12, 15 years ago as it is today. I, 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 nothing's changed, and that is depressing because my, my New Year's resolutions are all the same. Everything's the same. It's like, you know, be, be a better guy. Like, be more emotional. Write a script. Direct something. It's all the same shit every single year that I never accomplished. I think Adam got your journal because he's doing stuff. <laughs> I found that. <laughs> he's acting on your resolutions. Uh, no, I actually have the exact same thing. It's funny you said that because uh, last time I was home visiting my family, which was uh, over a year ago now, and uh, my mom dug out like an old old notebooks that I had and gave it to my fiance to look at, which was immediately embarrassing, but they were like old, old, they were like sixth grade old. And Mm -hmm. it was like, uh, it was like a a note to your 20 year, uh, for 20 years from now or whatever, (laughs) uh, that like some sort of school assignment that I had to do. And it was, uh, uh, get buff. Uh, make make that Skrilla, I said. Uh, <laughs> uh, become a comedian and uh, be a movie star. And then instead of writing star, I did a star, like I did a star design. Uh, wow. So, and that's exactly who I am still. Uh, <laughs> and exactly what Hillary Duff wrote when she Skrilla. was 16 years old. She did the same thing. She wrote. She did a star. Yeah, I'm assuming be a, and getting buff was yeah. something that was oh. very important. Yeah, to her. super important. That's why she signed on to Million Dollar Baby. She's like, <laughs> I've got to start training. Yes. I I don't even need to read it. It's about working out. I've I've yeah, got to in. put me got in. to manifest yeah, but this. You, but by the way, you're doing pretty good. With that, I mean, are but are you buff? Because everything else, it seems like you're taking care of. Have you seen the, the righteous you. gemstones? Are you kids? Thank kids you. ripped. Thank you, Joe. Uh, you know, I'm at a weird stage in my life where I uh, I work out every day. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I'm not out there pumping the irons. Uh, <laughs> and I'm being serious about it. Wow. But uh, I do work out every day. Um, but I still. Uh, and I eat pretty well. I still drink uh, just enough to negate all work that I do in the gym. So mm. like, and I don't drink every day. It'll be like one day a week, and then my, uh, you know, my, my like one friend comes over, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we, I drink like eight beers, and then it totally negates when you know, just just five <laughs> years ago I could do that, and um, and my body would. Would be so on and popping. Damn, you should have seen me five years ago. <laughs> you guys like we did. God. It's the Pitch Perfect movie, right? Uh, right yeah, <laughs> you weren't that in good shape. <laughs> uh, this is oh, trust me, this is staying in. But we we have no structure to this. If it stays podcast. in, then I'll never listen to this again. I don't listen to it now, but I'll tell people not to listen. It's not staying in. Yes, it is. No, Josh gets upset because then people rip him. People comment and say they they complain. Yeah, but Josh, you got to let go of your ego, Josh. This isn't about you, man. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's entirely about me. Don't ask. Just take it out. Just take it out. I like the in-between. You live in the taint. (laughs) Daddy issues. Living in the taint. Living in the taint. (laughs) 
<laughs> Hi, guys. Hey, hey, it's John Stamos. How hey are now. you? <laughs> Can we tell the audience? I mean, if you're not going to play what, what just happened, we got to tell them. I mean, I mean, Oliver had to take a pee, and yeah. he brought the mic in there with him. Mm-hmm. Yes. I did. We started yeah, to get into, started into my dad. We started to get into the Hudson Brothers. I've never yep. seen an episode, not one. So both your parents, Oliver, have each had variety shows. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Who can my say My mom that? did a couple. She did a couple. One with Liza Minnelli and the Muppets. And laughing. A few. And laughing. I forgot about that. My favorite <laughs> my right. favorite thing your mom did. I think I showed you, Oliver. Did I ever of uh when she was on the Dean Martin show with Dean and she was it was they were doing a song about the Dum Dum Club. It was so yep. beautiful. Yep, 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 Just yep. Loved it. Well Hold you on. you're a Disney file. I mean, were you into Kurt Russell? Well, not not the way you make it sound, but I like it. <laughs> Into Kurt Russell, like him. Well, Can I'm you, just thinking, Disney file, right? Kurt and then Elvis. Sorry. Kurt played Elvis. I know, yeah. so great. He was the best Elvis. He was great. He's a good guy, huh? So he was really your dad, right? Yeah, he he he. I mean, he raised me. He was in my life at six six or seven years old, and he he's the one who sort of made me into what I am, good yeah. and bad. Yeah, and he you know. just told us before he got on, John, that he's he's finally hit rock bottom. I've been drinking it too much, and I've been chewing too much tobacco and smoking cigarettes, and I I've just I've been uh, I've been on a bit of a slide. So I finally hit bottom, and now I'm I'm working my way back my way back up. Acupuncture, eating uh-huh. right. I'm trying to get my shit together. You know, you sober up a little bit. You sober up? I had to. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't, it wasn't a problem, but it was just an everyday thing. And it was, I was using well, How is that it. not a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Every day I couldn't stop drinking. It wasn't a problem, but you know. I guess it was a problem, but not in the sense of it was really fucking up my life. And I couldn't, I wouldn't call myself an alcoholic. You know what I mean? But it, I was just feel. I was feeling terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. And so I had to pull yeah. myself back up. Good for you. You're I a had healthy a- man though. Well, I had it five years ago. I was I hit the bottom too, and I was like, "Fuck!" And I used to dream about having kids, and I'm like, "I'm never gonna have a kid like this." I, you know, you'd lay in your bed and recover for a few days before having to go on camera, and I'm like, "What if I had a kid right now? Like, that wouldn't work." Mm-hmm. And now that I do, and he's turning three in a couple of weeks, um, you gotta really be help. Although I gotta ask, I have a lot of, of, I need a lot of advice from you guys. But two nights in a row, he didn't sleep, so I've yeah. slept. Zero, you know, the last couple of nights. <laughs> how great is it, though? How great is it being a dad, though? I mean, I know, I know, it's 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 he's three, and you've had right. three years to, but isn't it fucking? It's just incredible. I mean, I have yeah. three kids. I know. I, I want to ask you guys so many questions, and I and I'm always first too. Man, you look great, Oliver. Anyway, and 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 Joe, I didn't really know you, but I I listened to a bunch of podcasts last night with you guys, and you're really funny. You have great chemistry and. I like how you take the piss it's out a, of each other. It's it's a weird mix, and I don't really know. I was friends with his sister before him. Now I, she won't take my calls, so I, yeah. I end up doing a <laughs> podcast right. with Oliver. And mm. we are definitely different people who yeah. enjoy each other's company so much. And, you know, it's funny for you, John, you know, you and I, we're now dads. I am for the second time, but in our 50s. Yeah. Our our kids, so I have twin boys that were born 11 days after your son, right. uh, Billy. And so I'm almost 52. Right. 
And I got to tell you, my patience uh, level, maybe it's because I've done it before, but my patience level is about a two really? on a scale of zero to 100. I'm a good dad. I'm a good dad. Yeah, I don't know but, dad. but hey, it's a lot. I think if I would have had kids when I was younger, my patience level would have been at a two. Now I'm just like, ah, mm. okay, what well, you know, burn the house down. I don't give a shit. I mean, mm. all day long the kid is trying to kill himself or kill me or my wife. <laughs> is that what you? I mean, uh, he's on a suicide mission. Uh-huh. Last week is this is a studio in here. He he'll find whatever the most dangerous thing is. We were uh, there was a guy over here helping me do a speaker thing, and we looked over and he had not one but two screwdrivers going mm. right into the socket oh and good I saw, I saw a tiny little and i threw him back and blah, blah, blah. but um it's good <laughs> <laughs> i never you know, here's what i realized the most i was thinking about this morning I, now i know why there's so many fucked up people in this world because it is it is so it's much harder than i thought and my wife does 90 percent of it right i mean you know it takes so much patience as you say oh oh that that's so true and i'm glad you said that because it's so crazy frustrating sometimes i had to put my first son down he was crying so much put him down like a horse like shoot him or something what do you mean yeah. did you at least bring the curtain out i i had to put him on the bed and surround him with pillows because i just right. needed a break i was like right. all right i i gotta put you down now because i need to walk away for a second God bless my wife because she's, you know, she's she reads books, she listens to, you know, to, to books on tape. And then she, she has this, um, you know, since the COVID, we had these sort of little preschool going on over here three days a week, which is, you know, really sweet. And, you know, they've taken over my house, the garage now, the, the, the garden. But um, and then they, she does this Raya class, a Raya technique. Have you guys heard of that? Is that mm-hmm. Am I saying no. it right? It's no. very much like, how did that make you feel? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, she made me sit in on it. And I, again, like it's another tool in the toolbox. And I, I think it's, you know, I don't know if it's working yet, but it, you know, it's, you know, uh, it, it, some kid threw a bottle at Billy's head. It was plastic. And they're like, how did that make you feel? I said, how the fuck do you think it made him feel? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, somewhere, but would- somewhere, John, <laughs> our dads are laughing Totally. I, I felt like I was in a sitcom. I'm sitting there with these hip parents yeah. and they're like, you know, I don't, you know, don't tell them, don't ask them if, if don't tell them you're proud of them. Ask them if they're proud of themselves. Oh, yeah. oh God. See, I, I, I hate I can't, that. Sh- I can't stand that yeah. stuff. Nope. I can't, I can't, I can't stand it. I look, I, I, I respect that. I think that we, we are emotionally evolved people. I think from yes. 50 years ago, just generally. And I think it's important that our kids are free to express emotions and talk about how they feel. Yes. But when it comes to certain things, it's not about how you feel. I mean, let's get real. When a kid hits you with a bottle, I don't give a, right. I'm not going to talk it out. I'm going to confront you and I'm going to, you know, act accordingly. I, 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 I don't want to put that thing down because there, there's some good stuff that I've learned from it. And and some of the stuff is working, you know, and it's, it mainly, you know, a lot of it is let's don't yell. And so we try not to yell, but then sometimes, you know, you know, I yell. How were you, were you disciplined as a kid? Like, how were you raised and do you want to emulate that? I mean, you obviously loved your dad. Can you take from what he did with you guys and sort of put that into your practice? Yes. I just don't remember, you know, 
how he was when we were this little. I, I don't I don't remember getting I mean, maybe a little bit of that, but but discipline, discipline, discipline. My dad owned a fast food place and I worked there, you know, from uh, 13 years old on. And and in fact, I was working there um, on Sundays and I got the uh, I was supposed to he wanted me to go to college. I wasn't a student man. I couldn't, you know, deal with it. Anyway. And I uh, I went to that to sign up at the local college, Cypress College, to that room where you sign in. And I, but I couldn't find the room, so I came home. I said I didn't, you know. He said next semester you got to go to college, take business course, because he wanted me to, you know, take over the restaurant. I said okay, and then I was like, I got to get on TV. I got to get on. And I got on General Hospital, and I started working on. And at the time, eighty one, it was the, you know, it was gigantic show, and everybody watched it. But my dad made me still come in on Sundays. I was a Sunday guy, and I still worked there for about three months after the sh- I was working during the week. The show was on air. I said, Dad, I'm famous. I got to go. But it was discipline, <laughs> time, you know, <laughs> boundaries, all that stuff. My parents are both gone now. And I just it's the saddest part for me is that, that you know, that I can't ask him some of these questions, you know, because. Yeah. Yeah. Good. yeah. My dad uh, was so into sports and I just didn't get it. I never liked it. I wanted to play with puppets and Matt, you know. <laughs> And, 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 uh, you know, in the games and he was athletic and there was a, you know, everybody would come. He said, you go out of your way to hate sports. I just did. Somebody had to, I hated, you know, somebody always had to lose. Right. And I just didn't get it. And I, and he was the golfer. He was like, you guys, he was a great golfer. And I loved, you know, as we talked, I love my dad and I wanted to play with him. I wanted to spend time with him. So I took golf lessons by myself. And then I said, dad, I'm ready. Let's, let's go. And I wanted to be good. And we went out to, to, uh, I, I grew up in Orange County. I can't remember the, the it was in Cyprus and I Tiger Woods pl- played around there too. I don't know what, I can't remember. Anyway, and it was, it was like, if you were over 90, you got in free that day. So, and it, a woman. So there was like a lot of old or, you know, very nice women. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Two things happened. So one, so I get up and I'm like, oh, I got my heart's pounding. I got to be good for my dad. You know? And I hit it and I slice the ball and it flies by this 90 year old woman's temple and misses her by a quarter of an inch. I would have killed this woman. I mean, it would have been, you know, Hey, there's John. Stapp. Didn't he kill a golfing? And then, um, so my dad was, and, and then, so my dad hit it and, and he was yelling to the boys, like, sit down, bitch, sit down, bitch. And three ladies sat down, you know, sat there. but then he got in the car and said, let's never do that again. And I don't think we did. <laughs> the last but, time you played golf, that was what it. A beautiful story. <laughs> when I got <laughs> when I got the call for this new show, Big Shot, it's David. You got an offer on this David Kelly show. I was, oh my god, yeah, love cool. David Kelly. I always want to work. Yeah, with him. he's the man. You know, do I play? A, is it a lawyer? Is it one of those great you know things he's doing on HBO now? And this is mm-hmm. basketball. And I was like, oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> please tell me no. I, 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 I'm not the player. Am I? And I said, well, we don't know yet. I'm like, oh, my heart just sunk. Yeah. And then I found out I was playing a coach and, you know, I dug it. How did so. you deal with that, though? I mean, did did you have to research and learn? I did. I, I you know, because I just, I don't watch sports ever. And, yeah. and but I saw, so I started studying Bobby Knight. My character throws a chair and he gets kicked out of the NCAA. And I have to sort of work my way back up at an all-girls private high school in Laguna. And mm. I go <laughs> in just coaching them as I coach the boys, you know. Um, I uh, I watched a lot of tapes and then, a friend of mine said, Hey, you know, I'm friends with Jerry West. Uh, he's a really cool guy. You want to talk to him? I was like, great. Talk to, and you guys probably know him. And he said, you want to come down to a, uh, you want to come hang out? And I said, is because the, the season hadn't started yet. I said, Oh, you guys are having a rehearsal. And he said, we call it practice, John, but, um, <laughs> 
what, have you been a Disney file all your life? And where did that come from? I grew up near Disneyland in, in Orange County. And I, I just, it was my childhood was there. And I used to, you know, you'd, I met girls there. I got turned on to music there, you know, that kind of stuff. I just loved, I just loved the fan. And, and, and again, I wasn't escaping from a, 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 you know, a bad household or anything. I just, when you walk through those gates, the rest of the world was gone and, you know, it was a fantasy and it was, you know, maybe it was too, I was too Pollyanna with all that, but I just liked it. And, and, um, and then when I started to get some dough, the, you know, I, the, eBay was having, it was right when eBay started. And they, the first thing they had put up, Disney was decided to get rid of some stuff. And the first thing they had on eBay was the sign outside of, did you guys go to Disneyland when you're kidding? Oh, yeah. Sure. oh yeah. That sign, that big blue sign that was on yeah. Harbor Boulevard, it's Disneyland. There, that was for sale. And the opening bid was 32,000, 36,000 or something. So I, oh, I'm put that in. Forgot about it. And like, and everybody wanted it. Michael Jackson. It was supposed yeah. to go for millions of dollars. And the last hour, I go, I wonder what happened to that thing. And I see I'm winning and I refresh, refresh. I go, oh, shit, all my business. I got, I got to get this. Each letter is 14 by eight or something. And, um, you know, it's in my backyard now. But, oh, oh, for real? God. You got it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And it's yeah. in your backyard. Like, what do you, it seems like a great idea until you get it. Exactly. I um, I had, I, I just moved out uh, of Beverly Hills, but I would, I lived there and I wanted to put the D up. So I put it like behind a guest house and I didn't think any, cause I didn't want it to be, you know, seen or anything. And I didn't realize like from, from Laurel Canyon to Coldwater on Mulholland highway, you could see a big D on the hill that says, you know, dickhead lives there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't have it up over here. Oh my God. <laughs> the, the issue that I have sometimes is, and, I, and rumor you might even deal with this. There's this perception that, you know, we're, we're, and we are, it's not a perception. It is true. True. We're, we're very lucky to be born the way that we were born and born into the family that we were, we were born into, but that doesn't diminish our struggles as human yeah. beings. You know, it's, there's relative, there's relativity when it comes to that. You know, I, I had, I had major, major downs, major downs, you know, 100%. that I had to deal with and get through. And I'm, I'm sure you, you did as well. I, I was going to say like something I learned about that is like just because your problems don't matter to some people or I'm going to butcher this, but it's like just because your problems don't matter doesn't mean they don't matter to you or like to the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like right. you can only ever judge someone based on their experience. Obviously all three of us have experienced mm. different things that doesn't make what my reality or my experience of what I've experienced doesn't like my 10 is a 10 for me. Mm -hmm. right. Your pen of like shit is hitting the fan. I'm on fire is what it is for you. Yeah. And it's going to be different. You know, like I never had to worry that there was food on my table or where I, how I was going to eat. But that doesn't mean that when a situation of that caliber for what my reality is happened to me, that that my body didn't have the same reaction of fear, of unknowing, mm. of unsafety. Mm. And I think sometimes that's really difficult for people and even for myself sometimes to kind of align with and listen to, you know, like I, I've had to deal with like addiction in my family and having to live through that and be scared and have, you know, a lot of stuff go down 
more. And like, I've had moments where I've been like, I have lived through more than like, I hope anybody has to and have a lot of scars because of that. But that doesn't mean that my stuff is any worse or better than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. It's just what my, my stuff is. That's right. I think there's also a perception that, oh, you're just handed everything. You must not be very talented because you're just using nepotism or everything's been handed to you. So before you even do any work, before anybody's really seen what you can do, there's already this thing of, you know what? They're probably not that talented. Yep. That expectation too. Yeah. There's always the expectation when you walk into the room. Oh, let's see how she does. Yeah. Let's see. Are you worth anything? Yeah. Can you do it? Can you blow (laughs) us away? Because you already have, you know, it's not just some random guy or girl from the middle of nowhere. It's like, okay, well, either you're going to be amazing and blow us away or you're going to be shit. Mm -hmm. No in between. Yeah. No in between. No room to grow. How did you handle growing up in the spotlight? You know, what was that like for you? Did you hate it? Did you love it? I mean, I hated it. I, 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 when anyone would come up and talk to my mom or Kurt, I just, there was something about it that drove me crazy. You know, I just was like, leave us the fuck alone. Just please leave us alone. I did not dig it. I kind of, I didn't really totally understand it until I got a little bit older and I think there was just something so exciting for me. Like I loved being on set because I, I wanted to be a grown up from the time that I was, you know, like five. I wanted to be an adult. I wanted to know all of the things. I already wanted to have all the things going. And so I think what bothered me the most is how bothered they were mm-hmm. because I didn't understand whether it was good or bad. But I think seeing how, you know, upset it would make you know my dad or my mom if we would be out at Disneyland and people would be kind of coming up to them I I wouldn't understand or if people if they would get frustrated and then go we gotta leave because it's gonna get too crazy I I didn't really understand I was like they just want to talk to you they like you you know it's not nice someone just wants to say hi but (laughs) you know I get it when you're working all the time and and you just want to have a moment to be a dad or to just be a person. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, especially because of social media, it's crazy. It's a different world. Totally different. You know, you have to be on all the time and watch what you're doing and what you're saying and who you're saying it to and all of that. I, I think though this, with regard to that rumor, with the, when you're used to having eyes on you and you were aware that eyes were on you when you were five, six, seven, when you're at Disneyland and you're with, you know, your parents and I, I was in the small town of, of St. Louis and Oliver certainly was. When you're used to that, at least you're a little bit better prepared for the world we live in now, which totally. is knowing that anything you do. Uh, has the potential of showing up and becoming viral and whatever the hell it's it's going to become, that you're a, a little bit better equipped to handle that than maybe somebody who's just finding fame that, that has never experienced any of that stuff before. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I think the hardest, the, the most difficult thing, and I think even kind of to what Oliver was saying earlier, the thing that probably bought me to some of the lowest times was how judgmental people were about how I looked like right at, right at the beginning of the whole kind of 
social media, TMZ, like blogosphere type shit. When you're in the public eye before I even chose to do it, you know, when I was like 14, 15, 16 years old and people are like, yeah, she's fucking ugly. Like who this, you know, she's not worth anything. She doesn't have a job. What is she doing? People just go in Mm. and there's no time to have an awkward stage. There's no time to figure yourself out, to find value in yourself, to find where do I fit in this? Where do I fit when my parents are these two huge kind of personalities and how do I fit into that in just being a person, let alone trying to do the same thing? Were you open about it? you know, with your parents and just how that hurts you and what that all was. And did they, was that, was it out on the table? And how did your dad deal with something like that? As a father, I have a daughter as well. And I want to go kill everyone. You know what I mean? I have that anger. (laughs) I might probably have to deal with, but, uh, you know, how did your dad react to all that? Was he pretty even about it? (laughs) He was like, my dad's response was to go up to kids (laughs) and say, and say, Hey, it's not okay to be mean. And I was like, I don't know if that's going to work. I appreciate it. You know, like, I don't know if people are going to really take that to heart. But, you know, one of the biggest things my mom always said to me was she tried to instill, like, you're unique and you don't take people's opinion. And, and I think what I have kind of evolved that into myself is if you're getting validation from people from the good, then you have to take the bad. So if you Mm -hmm. just put yourself in a place where you're not listening to the good or bad or using that as a bar to which, by which to value yourself, then I would say it's a lot healthier, but it's hard not to. How can you not as a human being, you know? Do you ever allow yourself to go, man, I, I, I just, I just did really well. Do you, do you ever allow yourself to, to pat yourself on the back? I mean, sometimes. Yeah. I think, I think dancing with the stars was cool because it was so different and it was not something that my parents had ever done. It was so outside the realm of my norm and I'd never danced before. I never, you know, like I had no training. I barely even worked out before that. So that was a pretty cool, but again, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a huge perfectionist. So I have that it's never enough. Like, I feel like I could literally reach EGOT status and be like, Oh man, I haven't climbed Mount Everest. I'm a piece mm-hmm. of shit. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but that's drive, but that, but you, that, that's the drive you say you didn't have, or you don't have because well, you she said she got it. Sandwiches she found out of, it though. Out of a van. She found you found the drive. You found yeah. that. You found that thing okay. that you would die for. Okay, is, I retract my last which is but but, I but which is what by the way? What what is that? Because I, if you have any tips. <laughs> well, but what's interesting is like I have those goals, right? And like I I I believe it's possible for me. I think that I'm talented enough to potentially like reach ego status one day. Mm-hmm. That's I'm going to make that my goal to the universe and hope that maybe I get a fraction of it, right? But that's what I'm putting out there to try and manifest. Mm-hmm. 
but I think where the drive comes in, and I don't know if you have this as well, Oliver, that's difficult, is the, the steps that take you there. Like, yeah. I, I'm good with that huge goal. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to happen. But finding the drive to do all of the little micro steps that will actually get you to the place where that's a possibility seems impossible sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I totally. I mean, that's why that's where you sit back on your laurels and you're like, okay, get the fuck up. Do it. Work hard. Work harder than everybody else, you know. But but then then it gets into the realm of what are you? What makes you happy? You know what I mean? Like if I'm happy where I am, then fuck everyone else for saying, oh, you're wasted potential. And you know, sometimes my family and I, I don't get into it. We start talking, and it's like I'm, but I'm ha- I'm good. You know, I've done television shows and I've made some money and I've got three kids and I've got an amazing family. It's like, I'm, I'm good. I'm happiest now. Maybe I won't be happy if all of a sudden I'm fucking grinding and grinding, you know, that's not inherently who I am. I I mean, listen, Oliver, you were one of my favorite parts of Dawson's Creek. So, well, see, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) You were in Dawson's Creek. Yes, yeah, it was the last season. No, I know, I know. Come on, um, Joe. You know you love Dawson's I Creek. Know. I loved it. Hello. Hello. What's up, Bill? Where are you, Bill? Where are in the world? Are you in L.A.? L.A., where you got everything from progressive lunatics to uh, neo-Nazis 10 miles away. <laughs> it's yeah, true. it's exciting. It's people a People don't understand. People think L.A. is a bunch of... You know, Hollywood people being like, hey, man, when are walruses getting their own bathrooms? It's just like literally you have those people and, and 20 miles away. You can be down at a beach going to a in, in, talking to neo-Nazis. So, well, just a potpourri of shit. That's so yeah, true. I mean, man. well, that's at least but, but most of the people are somewhere in the middle saying both of those people are nuts. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you know, so the news. So who's normal? Do not make the news. Who's rational anymore, though? You know, I mean, who is normal these days? What is normal? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I had a buddy of mine move to Australia, and there's people down there that don't want to wear the mask either, and they also think it's a big phony thing. So this whole mm-hmm. this whole thing that, like, you know, what's wrong with America? It's, it's there's a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Um, I just talked to one guy who said people in Australia are doing this, and so I'm going to go the other way and say basically every country's doing what we're doing. <laughs> if Australia is doing it, then every country is doing, doing it. Everybody's doing it. That's how yeah. it works. Uh, but you're right. I feel like I, I honestly believe that, that most people are in the middle, even politically, but they get no attention. They get no representation in candidates. It's just everybody on the extreme. They're not. If you are rational on social media, you will not get those, that Instagram money. No Mm -hmm. chance. Yes. No chance. You're like a model and you have like, you got to have, and irrational enhancements to your body before you can sell purses. <laughs> if you look like me, you have to have an irrational uh, political view. I got to be all the way over here or all the way over there. And then, uh, you know, Bill, you've been called polarizing. And all of a sudden you start making all this money. Basically, the more of an idiot and less understanding person that you can be, that is the formula I want to say because most people watch you because it's entertaining because it's just to see somebody like that. But to to uh, 
to some people, they kind of take it at face value. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just sold a, um, you know, for a few, for a few shekels, I sold a French's mustard beer about a week ago. Okay. You know, so I, I don't know where I, I stand on the French's rational, irrational. Beer. Is, yes. Is that homemade? No, this is French's has done a mustard beer Ugh. and they were going to pay me to put it on my Instagram. And of course I said, yes. So I don't know where I stand as far as my, you need lip injections. I'm, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe I get better no, accounts. You, you're, no, your your sweet spot is you're the every man that tells it like it is. Right. Okay. If you're a white dude who looks like you, then you have to be that guy who tells it like it is, which <laughs> subtext means it's going to be kind of racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of racist, and I love this beer. I like this guy. This guy speaks to me. Right. <laughs> totally. What's it been like? Because you and I are basically the same age. I've got older daughters, but I'm back in the game with two-year-old twin boys. And it is a, it's the best, but it is an ass-kicking at this, at this age when friends of mine, contemporaries of mine, are, are so past all this. And I'm you know, still changing diapers and, and doing all this stuff. What's yeah. that been like for you? Well, I didn't have your first experience, so I had nothing to compare it to. So I was at the point of like, wow, is this never going to happen? I mean, I thought I was just going to stay in my hometown, marry a local girl and, and have a big family. That's what I thought. And, um, you know, like a lot of things in life, how you think your life's going to go, it goes in a completely different direction. So um, I'm just, you know, I, I just focus on the advantage. The tremendous advantage of being an old dad is you, you have like another 25 for me, like 25 years of life experience, um, I'm a much calmer, relaxed, understanding person than I was when I was in my 20s. I think that I'm going to be a better dad. It sucks that I'm going to die way sooner. I mean, that just is the math. But um, yeah, the math sucks. You can't do math. Yeah, they'll have way. Well, here's the other thing. You know, I was thinking about it the other day as far as like, you know, wanting to live to 100. I figure if I get to 100, you know, my kids will be old enough where, you know, they'll be 50 years old or where 40s, 50s. And it's like, then that'll be okay because they'll be married. They'll have their own lives and that type of thing. But I was thinking the sadness of living that long, mm-hmm. you know, because I just lost a buddy the other day and, you know, we're all devastated. and but his funeral is going to be crazy. It's going to be amazing. All of us pouring our hearts out and doing all of this stuff. But if you live to be a hundred, all your friends are dead. And then you got all yeah. these young people that didn't know you in the prime of your life. So <laughs> then they're just up there. Hey, you know, he, he just loves sitting on that porch and you're just laying in the cat. Like, I did more than that. I was a wild man. <laughs> you know, you gotta give, there's gotta be the sweet spot of where you die where you lived a full life and you're also going to get like, uh, uh, you're going to get a good eulogy. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have enough friends left to send you off well. We're going to be back next week with a new episode. It's my fault. It's not Joe's fault. It's my fault. I'm working. I have a new gig. You know what I mean? So don't blame Joe. We will be back. 
Listen to Daddy Issues on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Daddy Issues is a production of Cavalry Audio and iHeartMedia, produced by Margot Carmichael. Sound engineering and editing by Josh Windish. Executive produced by Joe Bach, Oliver Hudson, Dana Brunetti, and Keegan Rosenberger. 